Open up the word to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 4 through 9. Uh, continuing in our, our, our uh, series, The Summer of the Spirit, we've been emphasizing uh, some of the gifts of the Spirit, some pretty radical gifts. And today is, is no different. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 9. I'll give you a second to get there. Keeping with the summer tradition, I'll be reading out of the NASB. And this is what the word of the Lord says, starting in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. This is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we... Sit now before your open word. We, we just ask that you would rule and reign in this house today. That you would rule and reign in our church. That as we listen to what you have to say through the scriptures, that you would tune our attention to you. And that Holy Spirit, you would bring everything here under the subjection of Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray for peace of mind right now. We pray for hearts to be stilled. We pray for the distractions of the enemy to be pushed back in Jesus' name. And we pray for our ears to be tuned to your holy word. You have something here for us today, God, and we want it desperately. You will not refuse us. You are loving and generous and compassionate and merciful. And you will not deny your kids the Holy Spirit. So we ask for it. We ask for him to be put on display in this place right now through the power of your spoken word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're talking today about the gifts of healing. Now when I say healing, I mean a specific type of healing. I want to be clear on the terms that we're using when we speak about the gifts of healing and what God means by healing because we might mean, uh, we might mean a number of different things when we speak about healing or wellness or restoration. Uh, it could be that you put some neosporin on a, a wound and so your wound heals. That's good. It could be that you uh, take a hike into the redwood forests and you experience this soul healing. That's cool too. But what God is speaking about when he speaks through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the gifts of healing is something beyond those natural things that you and I can explain. He's speaking about the supernatural, not to the exclusion of all other things, but this is his emphasis. Healing is a supernatural thing given by God. Now, 
And crazy thing about 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is we don't get a whole lot of explanation on some of these gifts. You know, we, we kind of understand, we get some explanation on the gifts of prophecy and uh, gifts of tongues and speaking in tongues and some of those whole chapters are dedicated to them. But then there's other gifts like the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and uh, the distinguishing of spirits and healing, which are not allotted of, uh, a whole lot of real estate in scriptures. And they're super gnarly, right? They're gnarly, heavy gifts. And God just simply says, hey, this exists, go do There's no instruction manual in the Bible. There's no uh, fine print. There's no 10 easy steps on what this looks like. And so we are left with looking throughout the scriptures at the testimony of healing and how it operated to get for us a working definition of what the gifts of healing is. And so the best place that you and I can do that is first by starting with Jesus. Amen? What does the gifts of healing entail? Well, let's look at the great physician himself. And so we look right now at the life and mission of Jesus Christ for a working definition of what healing is. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus actually takes a text from the prophets and he applies it to himself by saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are being oppressed. So right there on Jesus' mission statement, we're already starting to see unpacked what it means for people to be healed. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, It says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, now the apostles are speaking, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So now we're we're filling that skeleton, right? We're, We're starting to put meat on the bones. What does it mean for healing? Well, let's look at Jesus. Well, When he walked the earth, there was recovery of sight to the blind. There was uh, a release of captives. There was uh, a freedom, a liberation of those who were oppressed. There was the the proclamation of good news to the poor. There were people who were oppressed by the devil who were set free. Matthew chapter 4, verse 24. The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they they brought to him all those who were ill. Notice that Jesus doesn't advertise about himself. He doesn't throw his face on a billboard. He doesn't advertise his superpowers or anything supernatural. He simply lives out of the power of the Holy Spirit within him. And it seems from the Gospels like this, that without any type of Uh, hype, without any type of PR, without any type of uh, uh, false advertising, he's simply living in obedience to the Holy Spirit that news about him spreads throughout the area and people bring the sick to him based on his reputation. The power of God is being put on display. They bring all those who are ill. Look at this uh, next line. Those suffering with various diseases and pains Demoniacs, so people uh, oppressed by the devil or by uh, evil spirits. Epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. 
So you want a working definition of what it means to be healed as God terms it. Uh, We are starting to fill in some of that void. Recovery of sight to the blind. Freedom to those who are oppressed by the devil. In the Holy Spirit and in power because God was with him. Epileptics, paralytics, demoniacs, various diseases, pains, those who are ill, those who are suffering, those who are captive, those who are poor. All of them are being released in a supernatural way by a supernatural God. So we can at least say that healing, when, we, when we're talking about what Paul is saying, the gifts of healing, healing then means something to this effect. It's a display of God's power to release someone from an affliction, whether physical or emotional or spiritual or even psychological, but especially physical is what we see the pattern in Scripture. All of these things that were promised of Jesus, we see throughout the Gospels. Uh, In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus casts out demons. Some of those demons actually inflict on the people that they're oppressing physical ailments. He casts out the demons with those demons, those physical ailments. In John chapter 9, he gives sight to the blind. In John chapter 5, he causes those who are lame to walk. Someone who is lame for decades, he causes them to rise up and walk. Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 through 8, paralytics are given immediate and instantaneous health. And so we see at the very core of healing... Something that has to do with Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The one who the Old Testament promised would come to do stuff like this. And here he is in flesh and blood doing it among broken, sick people. He doesn't stop there. Towards the, uh, uh, partway through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus actually imparting these same giftings to his people, specifically to the apostles. In Matthew chapter 10, verse one, he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Oh, whoa. All you have to do is read through some of the gospels to see some of the things that Jesus did and they're absolutely radical. And now he is imparting these to his people saying, now you have the same authority. You're not the same as me. You worship me, but I am imparting to you a measure of that authority to cast out demons and to heal every disease and affliction. Healing, as you read through the gospels and through the epistles, and especially the book of Acts, always, almost always, or I should say often, is accompanied by prayer and the laying on of hands. Meaning that when we are to operate in the gifts of healing, God simply tells us, hey, pray over the sick and they'll be healed. Lay your hands on the sick and they will be healed. And sometimes anoint them with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit and they will be healed. Healing often accompanies prayer and the laying on of hands. And we see that with Jesus in Luke chapter four, verse 40. It says, while the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and laying his hands on each of them, he was healing them. 
We see it with Peter and John in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 10, in a situation where they are walking into the temple and a, 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 a lame man who can't walk, who's poor, is there begging for alms from worshipers going into the temple, sees John, sees Peter, and says, hey, can you give me some, uh, can you give me some money? And Peter, looking at the man, without skipping a beat, says, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we will give to you. Picking him up by the hand, he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he seizes him, he raises up, and immediately his feet and his ankle, ankles are strengthened. We see that by, this, this, by touch, by the, the, the prayer of faith, God moving miraculously on people in their time and moment of need. We see this with Paul. Acts chapter 28, verse 8. It happened that the fa uh, father of uh, Publius was lying in bed, afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him, and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. So prayer and even the laying on of hands. We see this pattern throughout the New Testament. But we also see places where none of that happens. We also get a sense in the scriptures where there is no formula. There's no mantra. There's no perfect set of words. There's no perfect process that we're to fall into that by some magical way people will be healed. As if God were to say to his people, hey, I want to use you, but this is me. And just so you know, FYI, I can do anything I want by myself. There are places for example, in Matthew chapter, uh, I think it's Matthew, yeah, Matthew chapter 8, verse 8 through uh, 13, where a centurion seeks out the Lord Jesus Christ and says, my servant uh, is uh, basically on his deathbed. He's lying paralyzed, fearfully tormented. Jesus says, I'm going to come and heal him. What's the centurion say? He says, No. I'm not worthy for you to even be under the roof of my house, but if you say the word, he'll be healed. Jesus marveled by that, that act of faith. Instantly, uh, he, he marvels and says, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And he says to the centurion in verse 13, go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. Jesus didn't even have to be in the building to wield his power. Jesus didn't have to lay hands. Jesus didn't even have to pray. It doesn't seem like he prayed. He didn't even have to be in the building. Jesus Christ is Lord over all. We see it in some of his disciples, some of his apostles. In Acts chapter 19, we're told that some, Paul was in a season of walking in such extraordinary miracles that people started getting close to him and just trying to like rub their handkerchiefs on him to like, I don't, I don't even know what they were doing, like get some of his anointing oil on their handkerchief. But the scriptures say it actually, uh, they would take these face cloths and work aprons that had touched Paul's skin, bring him to the sick, and the diseases left them. What is that all about? I never see any commentaries try to explain those verses. Jesus can do anything he wants. And what he seems to want is to heal the oppressed. In Acts chapter 5, verse 12 through 16, we see uh, the apostle Peter rolling through town. 
And it's said of him in the same way that he is walking in a season of such unbelievable signs and wonders that people start flocking to the streets, setting out cots with the lame, with the, uh, uh, with the sick, with the oppressed, in hopes that his shadow will pass upon them and heal them. It almost seems to be a reminder that though God wants to use his people for supernatural things, he's reminding us that he does not need us to do anything. This is a purely supernatural display of God's power. In fact, it could just be in the it could be in the comfort of your own home apart from anything else going on. I remember one time uh, not long ago, when we used to have the uh, college ministry, it was called Adorn, we met on Friday nights, and we would, we would uh, meet together for, uh, uh, well, all night, and we would just sing to the Lord and go through the scriptures, very simple, and he would meet us in, in crazy and profound ways. The same thing happens uh, in our comm groups and in our Sunday morning gatherings, but on this particular day, a group of uh, Canadian students had come through Carpinteria. We were meeting in Carpinteria. And they had phoned in earlier. They were on their way, you know, from, Canada, from uh, British Columbia all the way to Mexico on a missions trip. And they wanted to stop by uh, Friday night uh, just to be a part of a, a worship gathering and to experience that. And so we are like, yeah, come over. And so they came. They were very quiet. They were, uh, you know, they kept to themselves, uh, they weren't, they weren't boisterous or longing for attention or doing any of those things. They just came in and went out and were thankful. Um, and they would do this every year. One particular year, as the service is over, um, uh, Alex was uh, leading worship at the time. And uh, I, I remember being in the sound booth looking and seeing this girl, uh, one of the Canadian students, walk up the stairs to the stage and generally, whenever people do that, it never ends up good, it seems like. It's usually creepy or scary or just not good. So I'm in the back trying to get people's attention. Like, I And she just, she just weaves in and out, and stiff arms, pushes, just glides to the mic, grabs a microphone, pulls it out. And then at this point, I'm just like sinking, just, okay, okay. And she quietly says, hey, from Canada, I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, I, I came in tonight um, with a bad back, and I, my, my back was severely damaged. See, I had two steel, uh, these shafts that were fused, they were, I think, six inches long, steel fused to my spine, and I couldn't move. Um, I couldn't bend over. I could, I could barely function. I needed help just to get around. And then without flip, uh, skipping a beat, she looks at us. She says, and I, I was sitting in worship and just worshiping God, and something came over me, and I think they're gone, and I'm completely healed. Look, she sets down her mic, and she just starts contorting like a Canadian bobblehead, just moving like this. And people are just like, they don't know what to do at this point, and then just, ah! <laughs> And this stuff will just, just happen here and there. Just for, no one laid hands on her. 
No one prayed. No one even knew that something was wrong. It was as if God just wanted to step in on the scene and bless his daughter, saying, ah, I love you guys. You love me. I am just gonna, I'm just gonna reach forth my powerful right hand and touch someone in a severe moment of need. And a miraculous display of healing was put, on, uh, uh, put forth in front of everyone. She, I actually went to, she brought 100 people with her and 100 witnesses. I, I asked as many of them as I could, including her youth pastor, what just happened? And when I talked to him, his lips were quivering. None of them knew but they knew that she came in with a back that didn't work and she left, healed by the power of God. These are, these are some of the stories that if you start talking to one another, yeah, amen. <laughs> that a lot of us have witnessed and a lot of us have seen. It seems to be a reminder of God to say that I, you know, I am the author of healing I can do anything I want and I choose to heal this person. But what we see in the scriptures is that even in those unique, very special moments, the normal pattern in scripture seems to be that God loves to use his people for that very express purpose, which is why we have the gifts of healing. That he seems to enjoy imparting gifts of healing to his people to meet pressing needs. Now, this is interesting. When Paul says gifts of healing, he, doesn't, he uses the plural to speak of gifts. In other words, it's not like the, the one gift of teaching where once you have it by the Holy Spirit, you, you kind of always have it. Or the gift of administration or the gift of mercy, maybe. Uh, it's more like the distinguishings of spirits. You know, the gifts of healing. It's in the plural because Paul seems to be wanting to differentiate between some type of institutionalized gift where you always have it, you know, you always have it, you can flip it on like a switch, and those gifts which simply come to you when the Holy Spirit uh, desires to give it to you in a moment of pressing need. That seems to be what the gifts of the, uh, uh, excuse me, the gifts of healing are. No one is this quote-unquote faith healer, and if they proclaim to be so, you know that they're wrong. Only Jesus was able to heal everybody that he touched. Everyone else is completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. So what you have is not so much, you know, a special person who can go around and turn it on like a switch, but what you have is the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit coming upon whomever he wishes to meet pressing needs. This could be any one of you. And it could be at any time. And it could be that some of you walk in that more than others. And it could be that some of you have never seen it and never done it ever in your life. The Holy Spirit chooses and his choices are always good. A display of God's power to release people from affliction. And he chooses and calls us to do it mainly through prayer and often through the laying on of hands. Now this is, this is where it gets really good. It doesn't seem to stop with the apostles, right? This is often uh, something when, when, when there's a little pushback on whether the gifts of healing are for today. This is usually where the buck stops for a lot of people is, well, that was obviously Jesus did it because he's God. And then the apostles did it because, you know, there was 
these 12 dudes that were you know, there to give supernatural witness to the gospel and we don't need that anymore. But that's not what the scriptures tell us. This, these gifts were not just bestowed upon the apostles. For example, Stephen, not an apostle. Acts chapter six, verse eight tells us that he was walking in signs and wonders. Acts chapter eight, verse five through seven, Philip, not an apostle, not Jesus, we're told that he walked in signs and wonders. By the way, one of those, I think it was Philip, actually disappeared from one spot and reappeared, was transported in another spot in order to preach and baptize someone else. Like, that's crazy. Gifts and miracles, not an apostle. Ananias, Acts chapter 22, verse 12 through 13, uh, was the one who laid hands and prayed on Saul before he became Paul, and he was blind, and the scales fell off his eyes, and not only was he miraculously healed, but he was supernaturally, uh, spiritually healed as well. He became a believer, was baptized. These are not just given to the apostles, and I hope you know why I'm saying that today. It seems from the testimony of Scripture that God wishes to release the gifts of the Holy Spirit abroad across his church and such, for such a time as this. Not just in the first century, not just when Jesus walked the earth, not just when the apostles were doing their thing, but in 2013, in 2014, in 2020, whenever it is, God is still on the move he is still putting himself on display in miraculous, supernatural fashion. And these seem to be the terms. Just a simple, you know, not a very complicated look at, at the scriptures. It seems to be the terms that we're working with. Because you should be asking, okay, oh, this is crazy. What does this mean of me? Like if that happens to me or I see that happening, what, what should I be looking for? Well, these are the terms that we're looking at. God displaying his power to release and heal through people by prayer and the laying on of hands. Meaning that God may perhaps by his grace and sovereignty and pleasure use some of you, many of you, to heal people supernaturally. And not just in this building, not just in the church corporate gathering. Perhaps this would happen in random, strange, weird places like Vaughn's or Trader Joe's or the workplace or in your living room. God is putting himself on display to make a statement about himself. I am in control. Satan is not. Now, here's why we should be very excited about the gifts of healing. We should be excited because they are designed, number one, to meet felt needs by God's power. There are felt needs in our world. Do you believe that? Of course you do. We stub our toe. We can't pay the bills. We hurt ourselves. People die. People become sick. People become downcast. Felt needs surrounding us all the time. Sometimes God will use uh, common sense and wisdom and maybe your natural giftings to answer those pressing needs. But other times, you will run into pressing needs that cannot be answered by natural means. You will run into pressing needs that will only be able to be answered by a supernatural touch from the living God. 
And that's why we have gifts of healing. And God wants to meet felt needs by his great power because he loves broken people. I love Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed the sick. It's just as simple as that. He's broken over broken people. He's compassionate over the hurting and the lost and he's moved to tears. Remember Lazarus? Before he healed Lazarus, he knew he could do it. He knew he was going to do it, but he stopped for a second and wept. Your God is compassionate. But it's not just to meet felt needs. Because if God wanted to, meet, uh, wanted to only meet felt needs, he could do it right now in a single second. And everything, every aspect of suffering and decay and sin and evil would be taken care of forever. There's a problem with that, right? People are evil and sinful and decaying and rebellious. So if God were to move immediately and take care of evil, that would mean bad news for you and me. So God in his great mercy gives us the gospel of Jesus Christ and tells us a powerful story of how he is going to make all things new. And in the process of that story, as a trailer, just as a, just as a, 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 a little a teaser, he throws out miraculous gifts, signs, wonders, to give us a glimpse of what we have waiting for us in the day to come. Luke chapter 7, verse 22, John the Baptist, who was the most vocal person about the Messiah, he was the one just, just shouting from the rooftops, this is a guy who's coming, I can't even tie his shoes, how can you baptize me, I, uh, or how can I baptize you, you should baptize me, this is the Messiah, he's the one who's going to uh, uh, be the king of Israel, the prophet of Israel, the priest of Israel, and then all of a sudden, John the Baptist winds up in prison. And it doesn't look good for John the Baptist. And what does he say? He sends a messenger to Jesus and he, sa- and he sends this message. Are you sure you're the one? Because it doesn't seem like you're being very kingly. I'm in prison. And look at the apologetic that Jesus gives him. Okay, Je- Jesus is, pr- is proving to his cousin, John, that he is in fact the Messiah ushering in the kingdom. What does he say? Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. A sign, then, of the kingdom is healing of the sick. It's not just to meet felt needs. For Jesus, when he was uh, alive on this earth, didn't meet every felt need all over the earth. He met a bunch of them in order to make a statement about himself. Paul also alluded to this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse four through five. My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. I pray that for you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and myself, that when we talk and when we evangelize and when we give good witness to the King of glory, they will not be in clever words of rhetoric or wisdom, but in demonstrations of the spirit and of power. This seems to be the pattern throughout scripture. Healing, then, is a glimpse of a greater thing. 
It's a glimpse, a teaser, a trailer of God's kingdom coming to earth. Think of it. Where does physical affliction come from? Whether it's a headache or cancer. I think we could say that some, some degree of afflictions and sickness come from Satan directly, right? There are times when there is demonic oppression. We see that in the Gospels. People are uh, demonized so much so that they become physically sick. We see in Job that uh, 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 Satan actually has the power to afflict Job's body with boils and all sorts of things. So we can obviously say that Satan has a hand to play in physical affliction. Some things, you know, we don't want to we don't want to give Satan credit for everything. It's not that it's not that good at what he does. Some things are our fault, right? If I ignore crosswalks and just jaywalk, you know, across the 405, I don't know. Break the law, sin, do the wrong thing, and I I pay the price for that. You know, perhaps my body You know, I get hit by a car, that's my fault, okay? So I'm sick, I'm afflicted by something that I did wrong. So there's consequences. But I think the majority, and this this is more of an umbrella even over those two things. I think we could safely say that everything that is wrong with this universe, including sickness and affliction and oppression, we can say comes not from the individual acts of sin, but the condition of sin that plagues the earth. The brokenness that affects creation. Paul said this in Romans chapter 8, verse 22. We know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. What's he saying? He's saying that there is this curse on all of creation. Things are not the way God originally intended. There's a curse on creation, and creation itself is longing to be released from it. That's why we have sickness. That's why there's injustice. That's why there's pain. That's why things don't work right. That's why our minds sometimes don't work right. Our hearts don't beat correctly. Our kids don't grow up to the age they should be. Relationships don't function and work perfectly. And the list goes on. It's because of sin, fallenness, and sickness that is sin. So sometimes people are sick, and it's no fault of their own. Sometimes faithful, godly men and women of God get sick, even though they're seeking first the kingdom of God. That means whenever there's a supernatural display of the healing of God in the midst of those circumstances, it is God making a statement about himself in a reversal of that curse. He's giving you a teaser of those things which are to come. Why? Because he's broadcasting to everyone within earshot, I am still in charge. I have a plan. I will restore all things, and maybe I'm going to start with your physical body right here and right now. But that's not the end goal. It's part of it. But if everything that's wrong with the world that we live in is due in some way to sin, then it would follow that our deepest need in this life is to be healed from our spiritual affliction not just our physical affliction. 
And so these little glimpses of healing are there to give us a vignette of the power of the gospel, not just to heal headaches and remove cancer and to let the lame walk, because for the lame to walk and for those who are healed from cancer and those who are healed from uh, affliction and leukemia and all sorts of illnesses will eventually die by natural means. God is saying something about himself and he's saying something about you and his creation. Those things are not natural means. I am making all things new. And so he doesn't just heal the body. He seeks to heal our souls and our broken hearts. 1 Peter chapter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. That's why in Romans chapter 8, verse, uh, I think it's 20, 21, Paul says that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. Meaning there is a time, it's not yet, but it is coming when Christ sets his foot down and he manhandles all sickness and all sin and all death and the devil and the grave and he consummates his kingdom. You see, what's happening right now is that he has inaugurated his kingdom. He starts the ball rolling in order to give people a glimpse of what's to come so that they can be saved and ushered into that. But there will come a day where that kingdom will be brought to its fulfillment and consummated and all things will be restored by the hand of Jesus Christ. It will be so good and so lovely and so perfect that the gift of healing will be horribly outdated. We'll look back on it like a, like a, like a fax machine, man. Like what did we use that for? Oh yeah, back when there was sickness. Everything will be dealt with, and right now, gifts of healing function as a wonderful taste of heaven on earth. And they function as a means to whet your appetite for what's to come. And they function to give you a high expectancy and to give you comfort in areas of suffering, to remind you that your faith is in the Messiah, the Son of God, who takes away all our sins and he heals our broken bodies. So church, we should, we should expect to see healing in our day. Use band-aids when they, they're needed. Use neosporin. Go into the redwoods and journal or whatever. Do all of that stuff. But we should also allow room in our lives and in our way of thinking for dramatic, powerful supernatural displays of God right here and right now. In fact, I think we should feed ourselves on the gospels of Jesus Christ and the, and the book of Acts to cut back the, the cultural things that have lied to us and deceived us, the people who have told us that healing is not real, the bad experiences perhaps that we've had we should feed ourselves on what we see in the life of Jesus in hopes of raising up in our church an excitement to believe and trust in those things once again. We should have a holy anticipation, a childlike, almost naive anticipation in the impossible. That in our body, 
in our places of recreation, in our relationships, God is on the move and he wants to put himself on display in powerful ways. Now, I want to shift gears a bit and answer some of the elephants in the room with the gifts of healing. One of them that uh, we sometimes hear is, well, is medicine bad, you know, to use if God heals miraculously? Answer is simply no, of course not. The psalmist tells us that uh, the whole earth and everything that it contains belongs to God, right? Uh, Paul told Timothy that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God can use anything to heal a person. Sometimes it will be supernaturally. Sometimes it will have nothing to do with anything that we know. It will be by washcloths and shadows apparently. Sometimes Jesus won't even be in the building and people get healed. Sometimes he might be well pleased to use medicine and physicians and doctors and nurses. God bless them. God uses good things in our lives. So it would be horribly myopic for us to expect only one way for God to work. And it can be extremely damaging to people, right? Just use your imagination. The only way you can get healed is through a supernatural move of God. Like, what if you're just drinking 20 gallons of coffee every day and you have a headache? Like, maybe God isn't healing you supernaturally because he wants you to stop it. God uses those things. In fact, we see it in scripture. When Timothy had some stomach issues, Paul didn't heal him. Told him to drink some wine for his stomach. I don't know what he was thinking, but (laughs) told him to use something. God can use a variety of things to restore health. We should just be open to what he can do and what he chooses to do, which is why it's so important when we pray in the prayer of faith and the uh, gifts of healing to ask the Lord what he wants to do. You know, Don't presume that you know what he's going to do. I think we can assume that God's will is to heal because of what we see throughout the scriptures. When we pray, we don't have to come praying with a bunch of silly caveats like, Lord, if you want to heal, but maybe if you don't, but I won't be hurt, but maybe if you do, it'll be your will, but maybe not, and that's okay if I don't know. I love how... I love what the Lord says. I think it's in Matthew. Uh, it's in one of the Gospels. He says, your, fa- your heavenly Father knows what you ne- have need of even before you ask. Just ask. Don't come to the Lord like a Pharisee just with long words and clever speeches. Just ask simply. Your God longs to answer your prayers. So I think we can come boldly and confidently asking what he wants to do but assuming like little kids. God's going to heal. God's going to heal. Now that brings me to the second elephant. And this is a doozy. This is probably what most of you are thinking right now. Does God always heal? Some, uh, some people would, would say, yes, he does. And I... I have no other choice after reading the scriptures uh, but to say that it doesn't seem that he does. 
Does God always heal in this life? No, he doesn't. Paul, who is so extraordinary in supernatural gifts of ministry and signs and wonders and healing, who is so crazy in this gift, God moved so powerfully through him to such an extent that people were uh, just trying to rub like his healing sauce or whatever, anointing on handkerchiefs, and that was healing people, like radical stuff. Paul couldn't even heal himself. In Galatians chapter four, verse 13 through 14, we see that he has a bodily ailment. We're not sure what it is, but he seems to live and die with it. Paul couldn't heal himself. He couldn't even heal his right-hand men. Timothy wasn't healed. He had a stomach thing going on. He also had frequent ailments, we're told. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, couldn't heal him. Tells him to drink some, some vino instead. Epaphroditus wasn't healed. He was actually ill. We're told in Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 through 30, he was ill uh, almost to the point of death. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20, Trophimus wasn't healed, and Paul actually leaves him to suffer in a sickness at Miletus because he can't do anything about it. All testifying and confirming that there are not people with this magic or this light switch that they can turn on and wield at will, but rather the Holy Spirit bursts on the scene in different times and different places. Of course, I don't need to tell many of you uh, some of these passages from Scripture because you know from life experience. There's probably a lot of us in this room who have prayed for people and they didn't get healed. Maybe you've prayed for people and they have, get healed, uh, have gotten healed, but you've prayed for others and they didn't get healed. Of course, many of us know more recently about Daisy Love, uh, our pastor's daughter, uh, who, who died from cancer. reason I bring her up is because This is a very uncomfortable question to ask. And we have a problem sometimes, not like we, like I'm not specifically, but just people in general, sometimes have a problem with discomfort. And we 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 like to solve our discomfort by by figuring out answers. This is one of the big ones. Why doesn't God heal? We love to come up with answers for that. We try to come up with answers for it. I've been told every answer in the book. But the scriptures don't seem to give a clear answer. There are instances where we're told specifically and uniquely about a certain person who wasn't healed. But more broadly, we're not given the answers that we so desperately want to hear. Some people might say, and I've heard this growing up, well, if you're not healed, it's because of the lack of faith. That must be what it is. Can I first of all tell you that that is one of the most damaging things that you could ever tell somebody who's sick that you're praying for? First of all, because that's not true and that's unbiblical. Jesus didn't tell you you had to have a a bucket load of faith. He said you needed a little bit of faith. Faith like a mustard seed. That's not a lot of faith. (laughs) Second of all, God doesn't supply that answer except for specific instances with people. 
doesn't seem to supply that for every single instance. And what about Daisy Love? Could anyone in our church ever say that Daisy didn't have enough faith? I would argue to say that she lived more in eight years than some people do in 50. I would argue to say that hundreds, maybe thousands of people learned from the faith of this eight-year-old girl who was a titan in her belief, unwavering in God to her death. She can't be that. Don't see it in scripture. Don't see it in experience. Some would say, well, maybe uh, people weren't praying enough. Uh, I hear this a lot with with some, um, some situations. Maybe it's a lack of prayer. Well, look at Daisy. I've, I've not witnessed more prayer for one person in my entire life. Her website, uh, prayfordaisy.com, uh, hit over two million. It's a lot of prayer, more than maybe most of us will ever experience in this life. Does God always heal? No. Why not? I must confess, I don't know. But there are things that we can know. There are things that it seems the Father would say, this is all you need to know. Number one, I'm present within you. I'm present with you in all of those things. We see, that wasn't actually number one, this is number one. That was pre-one teaser trailer. Number one, God tells us And he promises that we're going to suffer in this life. He promises that. That in this life there will be trouble. Now God is not the author of sickness and uh, uh, affliction. He's not the author of evil. He doesn't make bad things happen to good people. However, the Bible seems to say that he uses what uh, Satan uses, uh, intends for evil, for the good of his people. God tells us that we will suffer in this life. So then we need to reposture ourselves in light of that information. We need a balance between our radical view of healing and a theology of suffering. Because here's what happens when we don't have a theology of suffering. We think that everyone will be healed, light switch, power, they will be healed, and when they're not, and we're dramatically disappointed, we don't know what else to do but to blame that person or ourselves or God. And it isn't like that. We need to balance our view of supernatural healing with suffering, that this world is fallen, we're gonna have trials, there's still sickness until Jesus Christ comes and deals with it fully and finally, and in the midst of all of this, we have glimpses of the supernatural breaking forth. Second, he doesn't tell us that we're gonna suffer in life, He also tells us that he makes us complete in that suffering. James chapter one, verse two through four, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let that endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Thirdly, we gotta recognize that God's timing is perfect. You may pray for someone and they don't get healed instantaneously. That doesn't mean it didn't work. They might get healed the next day. Have faith. They might get healed next year. Have faith. They might, not, they might get healed the moment Jesus Christ comes in on the scene to usher in his kingdom fully and finally. 
but in one way or the other, all who are in Christ will be healed. God's timing is perfect. This should comfort us. As we uh, worship this morning, let's just ruminate and, and, and process and dwell on and feast our souls on, on this very real sense that God, His power is breaking through the natural and healing people today. Let's be in awe of a God who heals and a God who is so powerful that He can do so, who is holy to do so. Perhaps if there's anything in your heart, you've taken these things lightly, there's any, any type of sin in your heart that you need to repent from today, this would be a great time to do it. Because God doesn't just heal physical ailments, he heals the spiritual ones too. Let's be comforted that one day sin will be done away with. And as we worship, if any of you are sick today, I believe that God wants to do some healing this morning. That God wants to do some healing today. And James chapter 5, verse 14 and 16 tells us that if any is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. There will be prayer teams and elders who would, uh, to the left and to the right today that would love to anoint you with oil and lay hands on you and pray the prayer of faith. And you can also turn to the next person and pray for them. You can even pray for yourself. God can do anything he wants. And his word seems to suggest strongly that he wants to heal today and in our midst. If you believe that, let's just get on our faces today and worship the great physician. Heavenly Father, I ask today that as we sing songs of faith about your great healing power, Lord, that even though we've spent a considerable amount of time talking about those things, I just ask that you would now for a moment refocus our eyes not on the gifts, not on healing itself, but on the healer, on the great physician, not on the gifts, but on the giver of gifts today. That God, for many of us, we would simply be content to be surrounded by your comforting presence. For you told us in your word that in this life we will have trouble, but to take heart, for you have overcome the world. Now are we asking Christ that you would show yourself plain and evident here by the power and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. To save those who are lost and to replenish the joy of those who have lost it. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.